Welcome to the Voyage Podcast, a show that traverses the oceans of myth and legend through the lens of Catholic theology and philosophy. Come aboard as we set sail in pursuit of the heroic life and Christian virtue with your hosts, Mike Schramm and Jacob Platty. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this uh, very special episode of the Voyage Podcast. So it's a it's special in the sense that uh, I get to be as unprepared as Jacob is for all the other ones. We're going to be having a we're be having a conversation, <laughs> which I mean, in one sense, unprepared because I don't have my little outline like I usually do. But uh, in another sense, we Jacob and I have already had a very good discussion, which is kind of what prompted this, right? No, oh, wait, wait. I thought you were about to say, Mike, I thought you were about to say, in another sense... We've been preparing for this oh, our entire gross. lives. Yeah, something Am like I that. Am I right? So, yeah, uh, that's, that's what I would have said. So this conversation, it was very much inspired by uh, a recent example, but it's something that I think Christians have kind of had to have this conversation for really since, you know, since Christianity. And it's the conversation between like, you know, art and faith or the, the scandalous um content that can sometimes be found in very powerful and oftentimes very beautiful and very good uh, pieces of art or media, right? Is that kind of, I mean, we're going to, but specifically, I think, no, yeah, specifically we wanted to, well, let's just get into it. Okay. So here's the, here's, here's how I would introduce this episode, Mr. Unprepared, <laughs> um, is basically, uh, the last of us is a TV show that we always intended to discuss, Surely it was going to be a big pop culture moment, and it's turning out to be true. Uh, but then episode three drops, and it's um, a very powerfully told story. And it's received universal praise from a lot of uh, your typical media sources and things like that, or, or Hollywood commentators. I mean, it's it's it just knocked everyone and this out is episode three out. long long um, time is what that one is so if you're i mean familiar with right. it or if you're able to you know maybe maybe not watch it or maybe watch it maybe you can decide afterwards uh but anyway like you said it's very highly well, acclaimed but, getting a lot of attention fairly highly acclaimed but i have a feeling that this episode is going to go down in history as that gay zombie episode right hmm. um because what they did is they told this really, really clean romance. And by clean, I mean to say just like a well-told narrative. Like there's no fat on that episode. It's really, really good script writing. Mm. Like they, it's, it's and technically they, proficient, um, right? It's, it, yeah, it's technically masterful, I'd even say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and also it doesn't fall into a lot of tropes that... Um, the queer community finds offensive and before and so it's gotten a lot of before anybody gets their hopes you know, up praise, you did yep. refer to it as the gay zombie episode the zombies are not gay in the episode so if that's the uh, <laughs> i just i don't want anybody to after hearing all this and then watch in it, case some people and, were into that well, mike is that what you're well, trying I to mean, say i mean that would like in terms of yeah captivating television like i would want to know what happens next so that would be that would get some people interested in seeing it. That's for sure. So, um, but yeah. Anyway, um, but anyway, I I felt I was like you know, obviously as classic classical Christians, the Catholic tradition, um, it's problematic to have an episode that glorifies um, a homosexual relationship um, and euthanasia. 
Uh, and so I guess spoilers, mm-hmm. I won't say any more than that. But um, the end of this episode does include uh, euthanasia. And it is fundamentally about two homosexual men who spend their life together. It's an episode that jumps <coughs> through time. Um, it's kind of a standalone episode within the series. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a very romantic episode. And it treats the romance. Well, and in um, more ways like than you one, would, that's the uh, thing expect. too that makes it powerful is that it's not just romantic in the terms of sexual. It's romantic in the kind of classical sense of like it, it creates this sort of like high idealistic when it comes to relationships, but also when it comes to um, not so much life. If anything, it's more a, a high idealistic um, understanding of autonomy, which is why, like you said, it ends the way that it does. Well, that's true. And so what I was thinking is there should be um, we should just address this type of thing head on because it raises important questions for Christians. Uh, How do you engage with art that uh, demonstrates mastery, but also has some really nefarious stuff in it from a Christian perspective? Um, And how does that compare with how we are engaging with the stories we've already engaged with? You know, um, every every art form that we've talked about, every story that we've talked about so far, uh, most of it has not been explicitly Christian. Mm -hmm. Most of it is probably including stuff in it that's not promoting Christian values. But it's been more accidental to it, whereas this... It feels like it's more essential. Well, is that this what was, yeah? This was this is very much a a, a show that's really promoting something. Mm. You know, it's a fairly ideological episode of that TV show, I would say. Um, though, admittedly, typically an ideologically driven storyline is going to end up on the cheaper side of things because um, it's hard to do that and still tell like a really really good story. But they they threaded the needle this well, time. And, and this was where, in our original um, conversation, well, it's a good t- well we maybe uh, disagreed a little bit. Maybe I was just kind of being the gadfly to try to provoke more conversation. But it's almost like you're saying it felt more like propaganda that was really, really good at hiding that it was propaganda. Or we're just, as a people, we're so bad at catching it. We're so um, dull to it that we won't catch it, but that it was still propaganda, Right. You know, I think that you can, you could call it propaganda. I think that, um, I don't even know if I would necessarily use that word if I was having like a really honest conversation about it, like we're having right now. If I was, and I um, honestly, I wouldn't either. If if I was just kind of like, if I was hanging out with people in shorthand, I might refer to as propaganda in the sense that a lot of what our culture is pushing through the media has a propaganda, propagandistic element to it because it's, it is capturing the spirit of the world right now and funneling that spirit through its storytelling. Um, though this one for sure, where it, it probably honestly could be defined as propaganda is that the show creators are kind of out on the record as saying that we wanted to tell a gay romance story and we wanted to kind of blindside audiences with it. We wanted people who might not watch a movie or a TV show about gay romance to find themselves watching a TV show about gay romance and be moved by it so that we could move the needle a bit in the direction that we favor, which is the acceptance of homosexuality as a practice. Um, And so that, that is propaganda. That is propaganda. It's just maybe 
all I would say is that propaganda tends to be more obvious and tends to be cheaper. Um, and this was not that. This was subtle propaganda, and it was well-done propaganda. And at that point, it's almost it's almost ill-defeating to call it propaganda because it has so much more meat to it than just the um, ideas that were trying to be conveyed. But whatever. I mean, it, it threads that line really well, and I think maybe people don't know how to talk about that very well. well and it's 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 sometimes used as kind of like a disparaging term like you only use propaganda when it's something negative um but the word itself is not does not necessarily have like an original like etymological negative connotation we've just turned it into that because technically if you're going to say mm -hmm. anything that has you know a message behind it or wants to move you in some way is well, that was the artist trying to like uh, uh, manipulate you. That's propaganda. Well, that's literally every piece of art that's well, let's ever been made. A, I mean, and let's give it a counter example. How about the Passion of the mm -hmm. Christ? Um, 2003, 2004, um, Mel Gibson movie. Powerful film, powerful piece of art. Really, really well executed. I think that people would refer to that as quote unquote propaganda yeah. or ideologically driven um and it's like well you can't deny that there's a motive to uh tell the story of jesus and tell it in a compelling way so that people think about it and respond to it well, um i think that's what this last of us episode was is uh, the lgbt community making their passion of the christ um almost almost literally that's due to the, the nature of the actual story yeah. arc um which is fascinating to think well, about. Like I said, we said, guys, this is kind of off-the-cuff conversation. Well, and it does kind of, of remind setup, me with, it kind of reminds me of some of the things that we sort of sent back and forth in terms of themes that we were recognizing that if you were to just take that theme, you could have found that in any quote-unquote Christian work of art or any work of art that a Christian wouldn't have a problem with. And this kind of gets into the first thing. The first part of um, what I want our conversation to kind of go towards is, for one, just not falling into that kind of oversimplistic view or response to the episode. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want us to just fall into the same like, oh well, it's people doing bad things or it's glorifying bad things. So that's that's the only response that we can have to it because then we're just we're just white noise amongst all the other you know, um, quote unquote conservative or orthodox Christians. Uh, little o orthodox Christians that are responding to this or any other controversial piece of media. Well, let me make let me make that really personal. So I've been watching The Last of Us with my elder children. I have a 15 and a 14 year old. Now, I mean, some people in the audience might feel like watching something that's basically rated R with kids that age is not how they would parent. And you know, I'm not saying that everyone should let their kids watch shows that we watch together but just here's my confession i am in fact watching that with my teenagers um for better or for worse uh and i was one of those guys that got tricked into watching a gay romance right uh they certainly did not really lay that out and not only was i that but i was watching it with my 15 and 14 year old right um and they I've had conversations about how Christianity teaches against homosexual practices and my kids are aware of this. And I think that my kids have kind of internalized that. Okay. Um, but here's the thing. 
when I watch a show like that that tells a story of two people demonstrating legitimate love and affection for each other in such a human way, it's such a humanistically told story. My kids, I could tell when I was making some comments that I, my kids were understanding, they were not, it's hard for them to correlate the demonstration of love and sacrifice and humanity on the screen with my tirades against the homosexual act, right? In other words, the art is working. Mm. <laughs> the propaganda is working. And for me to, when I speak out, if I'm going to speak out against this episode in front of my kids, with my kids, uh, it has to be nuanced because there's authenticity on in that show. Like in the story that's being told, there's authenticity. And if I pretend like it's not there. It's just disingenuous. Then it gives the lie. It's disingenuous. Yeah. And my kids know that. My kids would sense mm -hmm. that. They'd be like, oh, dad, you might not like, you know, the homosexual act, but what? How can you, how can you deny the love? They can't on love each other. Here, they can't be right? good people. They can't um, be self-sacrificial people. Yeah. They can't be good people and still sacrifice for each other, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And so it's important for Christians and myself, someone who's raising kids amongst this pop culture um, and allowing them to watch it, allowing them to participate in it to just be honest about what is true in what's, you know, Hollywood and content creators that are embracing um, the homosexual act, what's true about some of the things they're saying and what's true about what can be presented in art and things like that. Because ultimately that's what we're doing in this entire podcast yeah. is what's true about it, what's beautiful about it. And just as a it, quick... What's um, worthy of conversation. Well, and just as a quick sort of pause or almost like a sidebar, um, one of the things that we also kind of talked about beforehand too was this is this was never meant to be a, a catechesis podcast. And so in terms of, you know, we are maybe assuming some things when it comes to the Christian sexual ethic or the historic Orthodox Christian sexual ethic that we're not going to spend a lot of time um, elucidating here. Uh, there's plenty of podcasts, plenty of resources that go through, you know, the Christian teaching on sexuality um, beyond just the, oh, that's that's weird or that's gross or that's icky and that's why it's wrong. Uh, hopefully that, you know, we're not giving off that impression when it comes to the, the Christian response to this. Well, and I do think, well, yeah, so what we said is that it shouldn't turn into a long conversation about why homosexual sex is wrong, why the homosexual act is wrong. But, you know, I, I do think that we should give a very brief, basic understanding of, of what Christianity thinks about sex. And, and why? Because honestly, if, if A, I don't know how many people can give a very well-reasoned, rooted in the tradition answer as to like, what you know, why, why is it not love is love? Why can't we embrace... Um, homosexual union why why do we why do we have to reject it in the face of all of this authentic affection and romance you know why why put a cork on that um and i mean i would say in brief what christianity believes about sex is that it's really only appropriate in the context of a man and a woman in the context of family building mm in the context of coming together in order to create a community 
and live out the image of God, male and female, uh, and create. You know, when we're in the image of God, male and female, and we are producing creation through our union, and, and that procreation is what what God, the love of God is is and, embracing. You know, it's why we exist to begin to, with. Just uh, to make a very quick distinction about that, too. This isn't saying, like, the Christian teaching has never been that it's only right if it produces a baby. If there's the, you know, the it's that right. the act itself is ordered towards it. Now, you know, God willing yeah. that the life is brought from it you know, circumstances being what yep. they are, but that's not what makes the action ordered or disordered. It's that it's still ordered towards the procreation and ultimately education raising of children. And that's where the whole union of man and woman comes in because it's first and foremost, like Eros, the the love of Eros is a love that's ordered towards union. And what is that union itself ordered towards? It's ordered towards, like you said, procreation. Even if the procreation doesn't happen, it's the act is still ordered right. towards it, right? So, just, like I said, just a quick distinction. Well, and it's it's and it's it's about how the world is organized. It's about how the cosmos is organized. It's about how we participate in organization and not chaos. And that organization, and I'm using the word organization because we're referring to hierarchy, holy order. Um, and I'm just using a modern euphemism for well, something. And like even that, that it has the word organ. Um, what right? That's like, right. that kind of speaks oh, to the, yeah, the <laughs> physical bodily part of it too. But sorry to, yeah. Um. Well, absolutely. No. Uh, so anyway, um, and it's easier to see what's wrong when society doesn't pursue that ideal. Um, and it's, it's so, it's true that a uh, heterosexual union may not produce children, but the context is present and the intention is present and the organization of the cosmos is being organized in that fashion. Um, and then if you start doing things outside of that and embracing things outside of that um, as good, as promotable, as pursuable, uh, you're you're actually bringing into things, it's a bigger sin than you anticipate. And part of the reason why we have a hard time, uh, a lot of Christians have a hard time articulating what's wrong about the homosexual act is because we view ourselves as fundamentally individualistic. Mm-hmm that we're just atoms bouncing off each other. But what we do to ourselves or what we do with other consenting adults is just what those two atoms are doing. Yeah. No, A-T-O-M. No sin is record, personal. Not AD. Right? No sin is just personal. Yeah, you know. Uh, and we have a very hard time viewing ourselves as first and foremost community. But that is, I think, I think that's how the human condition was meant to focus, meant to exist at. That it's fundamental units is community and then there are the individuals that form those communities Um, and communities can come in different shapes and sizes but it's not the individual it's never the individual where two or three are gathered in my name you know there i am amongst them well and you can get even more theological with this and say it's a reflection of the trinity right that it's the communion of persons but it's the communion absolutely so absolutely so there's a lot of deep thought baked into why we should not promote homosexual union. But then the other thing that I'll just briefly say is, is, is it's also fundamentally a question about the use, the proper use of sex. And there's nothing wrong with two guys loving each other. There's nothing wrong with two guys demonstrating friendship towards each other. And uh, when you add romance into that love, though, 
And by romance, what else can we really mean but ultimately um, the ordering ourselves towards physical union um, and ultimately living happily ever after, you know, raising kids and things like that. Um, Romance means, just to put it crudely, romance means sex. It's always going to get reduced down to sex. And that's not untrue. And so what we don't have anymore is an understanding of um, love as something divorced from the act of sex. And now in culture, love only matters if it can be consummated with a sexual union. It's the only type of love that we promote unless it's like uh, whatever child parent type stuff. Well, and speaking from the point of empathy as well, like it makes sense that there's union would be desired, right? That there would be this desire for union, even if it is brought about through a disordered action, right? And so that's right. where you can almost see like, like I get why there would be this strong desire, whether it's within this context of this show or the kind of larger, more general context um, when, it co- when it comes to just those people, right? Quote unquote, those people. Those yeah, people, I know. Mike. I thought we were having a nuanced yeah, conversation. Yeah, exactly. Buddy. No, that's that's my scare quotes. So, um, but yeah. but this kind of let's uh, let's bring it back to the um, speak speaking more specifically of this episode. Yeah. Like so about the episode. It's um, yep, yep. one of the things that when we were have when we we're having this conversation is, you know, we we're talking about how the is is it propaganda is it being hidden in all these other things, and I wanted to make the point of. You know who's the one doing the hiding? Who's the one doing the propaganda? Kind of just to be uh, more provocative, right? Because one of the whole things—a devil's advocate, if well, you will, I'll, Mike. But flip it around. I want to be Providence's advocate, so to speak, because <laughs> okay, one of the the whole points of this show, of this podcast, and and of Voyage Comics in general, it comes from that idea of seeds of the word, right? Where you're finding the yep. the points of the gospel that are maybe very much hidden in or buried under. Right, the different things that we'll find, um, you know, in whatever popular culture, even the more scandalous pieces of popular culture. I think that that's true, um, and again, that's what makes this conversation interesting. Maybe one reason why it's easier to go look at something like the Odyssey or the Iliad, and and you know, try to pull Christian lessons from it, is that uh, we're talking about things that are removed from our imminent culture. And we're talking about um, moral questions that are not uh, the culture war that we're currently fighting and things like that. And so it's less scary or it feels less uh, sacrilegious, let's say, to look at older stories. Yeah, I think there's something to and that. And raise questions about, you know, raise questions about... Uh, what's good in it and things like that. But if you talk about a story in the modern context, we're, we're less emotionally invested in the Odyssey than we are in, you know, the last of us or something. Yeah. 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 Or the question of, you know, you know, the homosexual act and things like that. And, you know, I, I use that language super specifically the homosexual act because I don't want to come across like, uh, I think that a homosexual person is any less dignified or any less worthy of human, you know, respect and dignity mm-hmm. as anybody else. But the act of homosexual union is what is the issue here? If that if that story had been um, a Sam and Frodo story, mm-hmm. 
right? We got our Tolkien reference in. Arbitra- check you know, that box. Mandatory yeah, Tolkien box, reference. Sure. You know, where it's two best friends who who love each other, love each other like brothers, and um, face, you know, odds against something and, and come out the other side. And they could even die in the end, you know, or one of them can die in the end, any of them could die in the end. And you could, you could hit all of the same... Um, elements of that show wanted to talk about that were not related to the homosexual act and tell a super compelling story. Because part of the problem is, is you know, this kind of goes back to what I was saying. Uh, there's a lot of commentary out there that kind of wants to manifest Sam and Frodo as, you know, basically a, a homosexual couple, well, right? Yeah, so even to your point is like, it's even when it's quote unquote virtuous or quote unquote, you know, pure, there's still going to be that uh, temptation or that um, proclivity to read into it. We can only interpret stuff through, yeah, like we're so sexualized as a culture nowadays that we want to read that into everything. And we have a hard time viewing a relationship that doesn't have sex in it as as beautiful or valuable or as realistic one that does or realistic or realistic Which, even, well and that actually right? kind of brings me to um my kind of like rebuttal or response or one of the things that i was thinking is if that's sort of the reality right if if we're in this situation where even the purest examples we're going to read into our um disordered sexuality so to speak or, or our desires into it whatever that happens to be because it doesn't have to even be you know yeah um between it doesn't have to be between two guys that just happens to be you know the, well, listen, the scenario Achilles and Patroclus in the Iliad are famously gay with each other right um i think there's ways to read the story in which they're not but i think most people are okay accepting that that's actually a romantic relationship there's romantic elements in that relationship i mean it's along these kind of ancient classical greek platonic categories but to modern audiences it just it just there's just a gay relationship but we still talk about the iliad um as worthy of reading we still talk about the iliad and gain lessons from it and things like that it was still taught by christians throughout history and that there's a gay relationship in that well that actually kind of speaks to one of the big um, one of the things that I really wanted to talk about, because despite all of the what from m- what many Christians would say problematic elements, was there still something um, redemptive in the episode as a whole or in the piece of artwork as a whole? And I was I was trying to point out that it's like there is a redemptive arc and it's an unexpected redemptive arc, but maybe it's the redemptive arc that needs to be told because of you know whatever the situation we're being in and that's where i jokingly said like you know i'm I'm providence's advocate or it's provident providence's propaganda because even though you know you could say oh these people are you know doing the doing the devil's work because they're telling people about bad stuff or they're making bad stuff seem okay is there something even deeper underneath that when it comes to you know we'll just take the main character um bill right nick nick offerman's character right mm-hmm. and uh uh-huh is there an even deeper redemptive arc, which again, you can still choose not to like the episode or watch the episode or whatever, but it's still going to be watched. And is it still a um, message that can be a seed of the word? Does that make sense? No, absolutely. Why don't you go ahead and lay out uh, the argument here? Um, I don't even fundamentally disagree with this. Go ahead. 
So yeah, one of the big things is like, if you pay attention at the beginning of the story, but one of the other things too, is that if in that letter, so at the end of the story, which I'll try to be as vague as possible since you didn't give any spoilers either, but um, the main character, Bill, main character of the episode, not of the whole series, he you can very much tell that he is a person who is closed off to humanity, to the rest of the world, in a sense, closed off to relationships completely, right? Absolutely. And it isn't until the entrance of this other character, of Frank, right? Which, like you said, becomes the basis for this um, homosexual relationship or same-sex relationship. And that's what the rest of the episode follows. But it actually allows him to not only open up to to Frank, but then also to these other people in the zombie apocalypse scenario, right? Because that's where Joel and Tess come in uh, later on, as we see through the time jumps and stuff. And then it comes full circle when um, when they when they find his letter, and it says, you know, I I basically did hate the world, or I was glad that you know so many people were dying. And so you have this person who is completely myopic, who. You got a really, really yeah, so, angry relationship. But is so closed and... off to the very concept of relationship. Now, you imagine that if that person were to die in that state who cannot even open up to any relationship, is there any hope for a relationship with God, regardless of what his background was before the apocalypse, you know, his whatever upbringing he had or understanding of the gospel or anything like that? Yeah. What's the greater sin? Uh, his homosexual acts that he participates in or... Uh, his inability to love. Yeah. What's going to keep him more from relationship with God? And that's just it is like, what if, you know, and again, I'm, I'm speaking somewhat um, hypothetically or whatever, but it's like, what if Providence brought that person who that was the only person that would have opened up to any semblance of relationship. And I say true relationship, not just because it was sexual. That's kind of what you got into earlier, but relationship because it was sacrificial self-sacrificial in so many ways as we saw throughout the whole episode yeah they change each other across time they influence each other for the good well he defends him from those people who are trying to invade right so it's there's that whole kind of like defending from Mm -hmm. violence but then there's also very much when when frank gets sick he becomes a caretaker and so it's sort of a and i would almost argue it's a purgative or purifying experience when so much of what made them a couple is stripped away he was, they were still taking care of each other, right? Right. And so you have this um, Bill character who has now been at least opened up to one relationship. There's that tiny little crack in the armor. And is that going to be enough for Grace to come in when he finally does die? Now, again, that's dismissing the, you know, the manner in which they die and all that stuff, which that has its own considerations. And we can talk about that too. Yep. I, I think they did a good job laying out the redemptive arc. It's kind of like a, you know, it's it's the same old theme of someone coming into your life and changing you mm-hmm. for the better, breaking down your walls. What we're going to see happen between Ellie and Joel, I'm sure. Yeah. Right. Um, it's just a different uh, couple of individuals in this case, different dynamic. Um, if the father-daughter relationship is going to be what heals Joel, then this is the romantic relationship that's going to heal um, Bill, right? And yeah, we don't know of what wound was being healed necessarily, but that's not even the point, right? They're not even trying to tell that part of it. Yeah, and and so here's the thing. I don't think there's anything wrong with acknowledging everything that you just said. And I think that that is what feels so authentic about that story that they told. I think that's what they told very well. 
and very powerfully. And that's what people are resonating with is the, the truth of how love can shape you and improve you and open you up to possibilities that weren't there before. And it's totally appropriate. It would be disingenuous to not acknowledge that that is something that can happen between any, any human, you know, individuals, like any, any couple of humans can bring that out of each other. And one of the things though, of why I was trying to make this point, if you look at it on maybe overly simplistic, but I would say on the simplest level is you ask yourself, in which scenario was Bill more likely to accept a, you know, God's grace or relationship from God? Was it at the beginning of the story or was it at the end? And I, I can't see how you wouldn't say at the end, despite all of the other unsavory circumstances. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, see, I, <laughs> I could. Now, here's the thing. What we have here, I'm going to start pushing back on, because I wanted to, I wanted to acknowledge what was true right? And what was beautiful at first. But I also want to give voice to people who are still struggling with, well, how do I, how do I relate to this without it being just some kind of bigoted response, but still kind of give voice to what I, what I know is wrong about this story that's being told. Um, you know, A, the redemption that this story is demonstrating as an analogy for the redemption that we're pursuing as we fight against our passions, as we fight against our sins, as we fight to become sacrificial lovers of each other as brothers and sisters in the church and things like that, um, as parents and, you know, people in relationship with each other. What we see this show can be an analogy for that. But at the end of the day, because of the nature of, of who we are as a society now, the love on display in that show ultimately proves to be um, deficient. Uh, and, and I think that is even. destructive even. It's very, again, we're trying not to like be heavy with spoilers here, but there's a real Romeo and Juliet thing going on in this show. Hmm. I mean, yeah. and, uh, you know, I know that's just a, <laughs> that's not, not a spoiler, right? But uh, anyway, um, and Romeo and Juliet's not a not a, a moral. It's not a parable for how you should live, right? Mm-hmm. It's a tragedy. They they the ending of that is just sad. And the the moral of Romeo and Juliet is that romantic love can drive you to self-destruction, right? And I think that at at best this is a story that uh, falls into that mold where romantic love can drive you to self-destruction. But mm-hmm. What about all that good that they experience? You know, what about all of the the 20 years of life that they share that is all about them finding beauty in the world and building those relationships? And um, I think this is a good example of uh, how you can have Christianity without Christ, so to speak, right? Yeah. Where if the sense of redemption that you are um, experiencing, the learning to love others outside of yourself that you're experiencing is still ultimately for your own gratification instead of uh, a a self-sacrifice for other people regardless of what you get out of it. Um, you know, that that's not the theosis that Christianities are trying to achieve. That's not the union with God in perfect love that Christians are trying to... It's still a, a, 
fundamentally about what I can get from other people. And sexual relationships, when they're outside of the familial unit, it's always about self-satisfaction. Whereas sexual relationships inside of a family unit inside of the procreative context, even if it doesn't lead to procreation, like we said, is still a, a pleasurable experience that is for a different purpose than merely my own gratification. And just another, another caveat to that too is the person engaging in the activity can have whatever motivations he or she has that's different from the act itself. So I yeah. might, you know, I can use a objectively good thing for an evil purpose, right? Oh, and look at how Christian and Christians do it all yeah, the time. And, and straight right? people use you it. You know, with one sex, thing that we should you know, ag- plenty. So it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the when when you read the New Testament, you know, at the end of the day, this isn't about homosexuality being wrong. It's about sex being so easily corrupted, mm. whether it's heterosexual or homosexual. It, it is one of our biggest passions, maybe our biggest passion, right? Yeah. Maybe, probably. Tied to, well, yeah, when you, um, I mean, in terms of like, it doesn't have the same strict survival value that like eating and drinking does, even though the gospel or the New Testament says plenty about the importance or the uh, moderation of that and that sort of thing. But uh, it's something that, yeah, it's, it's almost like it, it's a, it builds upon what's naturally there. Right? Maybe we need it as yep. a species to survive, but an individual doesn't. Well, and, yet and it's we still, still it's driving. still a form of hunger. Yeah. Yeah, it's still a form of hunger. It doesn't, you know, um, satisfying our stomach's hunger keeps us alive in the immediate moment. Um, but the hunger for, you know, sexuality and things like that, that's, that's kind of a more of a long term survival thing. It, it doesn't have the immediate benefits of like, you know, eating food, but we're still driven to it. Mm. Um, which is why it's such a powerful passion and which is why Christianity has such specific um, value for well, it. And in the same way that, um, you know, you, you were kind of describing in the ways that because it's such a strong passion, it's it's so powerful in its corruption. But in the same way, it can it can be the thing by which a, a person can be open to to grace. Right. Oh, it can break down barriers. And so obviously we can see that on the um you know, from both of our perspectives, that's why matrimony is a sacrament, right? It's because it right. can be the means by which a person receives grace, but by the means by like how, how unimaginable that God gives as a gift, your spouse is the means by which you're going to go to heaven. I mean, what other, like mm. how great of, like we couldn't have thought of a greater gift ourselves. And yet that's what the church has given us by making it a sacrament. But it's because, I mean, it's grace building on nature. Marriage was around before Christianity and the sexual desire right. was around before we had even, you know, evolved to the point where we had come up with or God gave us the gift of marriage. Like even from the Adam and Eve perspective, even from the like first group of people. And so that, that right. sexual desire was there. And so it's another example of grace building upon, continuing to build upon nature, even if there it's an imperfect or a um stunted uh you know well and example. well let me just but let me just throw in my little nuance here or clarification i don't think you're disagreeing with this but only because it has the potential for tremendous sacrifice in other words you know sexual union and romantic love 
it does not always lead to procreation. But if it is completely divorced from the procreative act, then it is only self-satisfaction. It is only self-gratification. Mm-hmm. It is only... It'd be like eating um, you know, food that has no caloric value, but it tastes really good. And it's like, you know, that's... Well, that's not good for your body, right? That's not good for the community mm-hmm. in, in our case. Um, but if the... But if... You know, so sex, the nu- the nutrition of the nutritive value of sex is correlated to its procreative value because that's where the sacrifice is. That's where you give up of yourself to create another person, and then you take care of that person for the next eighteen to twenty years of their lives. And there's a tremendous amount of transformation that occurs within the family structure. Mm. But trying to break down the family structure to just two individuals, especially if it's two individuals that are only there to kind of please each well, other. And even if there's all that other really, really good redemptive value in the friendship, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's what Christianity rejects, though, is is that the sexual act could ever be divorced from a procreative familial context. And that's the only thing that Christianity rejects. Yeah. You know, people outside of that, you can have people who are even romantically attracted to each other. But as long as they don't dis, if as long as they don't abuse the act of sex, just like a heterosexual person should not abuse the act of sex outside of marriage and things like that, then there's no sin. Mm-hmm. The sin is in the disorder of sex. So when it comes to this TV show that we just watched, you know, it's not their love for each other or the impact they have on each other, or the, beauti- the beauty that they create together. They're bringing like harmony and order, a little walled garden, a little garden of Eden in this apocalyptic wasteland. Mm. Right? And you actually get a sense they're, of that. They're in an that Adam and Steve. Scene, right? the, where, yeah, yeah, no, no, they're literally Adam and Steve. It's literally a story about that, mm. right? Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, there's a lot of truth in the depiction of two people coming together and through their friendship making the world beautiful well, around them. And I think physically. This again right? isn't so much a like I don't think this is something you disagree with or it's more like a yes and, but like when it comes to as much as I want to like advocate for some possible redemptive quality to this, you could almost say that maybe it's more accidental than it is essential to it. Right, any sort of redemptive well, uh, quality or redemptive arc is is accidental. Which, in one sense, I'm not gonna like. You know, it's not a hill that I'm gonna die on necessarily, or or whatever. But uh, well, let, let me let me contrast it again. So, like with the Iliad, right, where there's a really prominent gay relationship in the Iliad. Um, what I would say is that the Last of Us episode three is a gay romance that has redemptive qualities in it. And but I would not say that the Iliad is a gay romance that has war virtues in it. The you know the Iliad is a story about war and you know the virtues that are you know the virtues and and the passions that are in it that happens to have a gay relationship in it, right? That's even an important element of the story, but still it's it's accidental to the larger themes at play. Whereas, 
I think that even the creators of the TV show would admit that they wanted to tell a gay romance. And so they decided to use The Last of Us as the, you know, aesthetic well, to achieve that And I think, like, story. when it comes to, you know, because, again, the, the what kind of kicked this whole thing off was, like, what's the more nuanced, subtle, quote-unquote, Christian response to this? As opposed to just immediately celebrating it, right? Compromising Christianity for the culture or immediately um, dismissing or almost like building walls against it and then not engaging. What is that engagement? Because that's it? dishonest. Because so, it's because here's the thing. It, it would be dishonest to pretend like there's nothing good on mm-hmm. display there. I really wanted to emphasize that because if we do that, if we just pretend like there's just nothing beautiful in that episode... We won't. People won't believe. We won't you. be taken seriously when <laughs> because we try to you're show wrong. what is beautiful. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it, it's it can't be just ideologically dismissed. We have to engage it and acknowledge it. So this is where, like, if Christians need to, you know, play the long game when it comes to not just the redemption of that person right across from us, but like we're our, we're tasked with the redemption of you know not just the American culture but the whole world right? We are participating in the redemption of the whole world. Then how do we play the long game, right? And this episode was called Long, Long Time. How do we take a long, long time when it comes to, you know, interacting with, engaging with the, these examples that are, like you said, even in some ways, essentially scandalous or essentially problematic, not just accidentally. And that's where, you know, yeah, here's where, uh, what I'll add into that, because I think I know where you're going with this, Mike. Um, if this is, if this is what's going to, if this is a story that people can see a message of sacrifice and a message of personal redemption, can that not be a gateway towards larger, and a larger experience of Christ? Larger conversation um, on grace, larger gospel, conversation on yeah, the gospel, things like that. And you know, I think that's the best we can do with this episode. I think that's what we should do with this episode. But I'll also push back and say you could go watch Lord of the Rings and see a, a show about um, redemption and how two people can um, sanctify each other and just not bring uh, a sexual romantic element into it. Well, and so to push that we back, don't need people could TV just read shows? the Odyssey or people could just read the Bible too, you know? So it's like... Well, I know. But I'm saying we could... Uh, like, so The Last of Us Episode 3 could have not been about a gay romance. You could have told most of that story as far as hitting the actual action beats of what's happening. And it would be more like something like the TV show Supernatural, where it's two brothers that love each other and are, you know, the most important thing in each other's lives. Um, and still, you know, we'll get into the Supernatural sometime, I'm sure. But anyway... You could still tell every single action beat in that TV show, Last of Us Episode 3, um, and not be promoting the disordered sexuality. And so we don't need TV shows like that to talk about these themes. And I'm not convinced that it's good to make TV shows like that because that's the only way we could tell gay people about, you know the beauty of self-sacrifice or something like that. And I guess it's not so um, much like an encouragement for Christians to do it. It's more like um, responding to the reality that's already there in the same way that like would yes, God have chosen to that. raise up the Roman empire. No, but it was in the context of the Roman empire that he chose to right. send his son and build the church. 
right? And so, and, and I hundred percent agree with that. So that's maybe because that's what we have to do. We have to take what's there. We, you know, everything that I'm saying is like, uh, wouldn't it be nice if? But to your points, they did create a piece of art. They did create a powerful story. It does have these elements in it. The world is celebrating it. How do we talk about this story? Acknowledge what the world loves about it, but then also still be true to what we've received um, from God and from our faith. You know, and that's that's what this podcast is all about. And I'm I'm not sure that uh, I did such a good job um, having condensed kind of thoughts <laughs> this time around. Uh, we're really reacting to this, and I I wanted to react to it on this um, platform because there was a lot of reactions in general out there. And this is just too important an opportunity to see in real time an example of really, really powerful culture building happening. But some of the elements of that culture building are in opposition to what a uh, traditional Christian is going to be able to promote or able to just give their kind of unvarnished appreciation for and we should have that conversation in public. And I think this kind of goes back to it's it's reacting without being reactionary. And actually, I think one of the things that we wanted to kind of looking ahead, because we did sort of have a plan already set in place for an episode um, before this, before the Last of Us episode dropped, you and I wanted to have a conversation that was more proactive when it came to what are some principles uh, that can be put in place for a Christian who's going to react to um, or going to experience different things in media. And so I think this Hopefully we can, we have applied some of those principles here, but we haven't necessarily laid them out as cleanly as like you said, like you would have liked to have done or just because, um, you know, it's, it's very much an authentic, like, what was I thinking? What was I feeling right as I watched this? But not only after you watched the episode itself, even though you knew as you were watching it, like, this is going to be a uh, phenomenon. Like, this is going to be really popular. This is going to be, um, this is going to cause, this is going to make some waves. You could see the headlines. But, you could see the reviews like, writing themselves. And, but then, even in seeing the responses, seeing the the acclaim, the um, just the accolades that it was receiving, you know, the next day or the next couple of days, uh, all the different talk that was going about it, and so, you know, there was that element of of reacting to it. But then, it's from those kind of principles of like, okay. It's, it's trying to look for those seeds of the word or trying to find maybe the, the deeper uh, redemption arc to it or, you know, not even just like putting up with the bad, but even seeing how the, the good is hidden in the bad, just like people are always willing to find the bad that's hidden in the good, right? When it comes to propaganda yep. and artwork and stuff. Well, what if you flipped it around? And that's kind of what, you know, we both were kind of interacting about and, and talking through disagreeing about even when it came to this specific example well and i think i kind of played nice <laughs> for the sake of the podcast Aww. i think that there was less disagreements uh, yeah i know well that's just the way it goes i mean it is a sensitive topic and i'm not trying to um give a bad name for myself or whatever but also um there's a lot of assumptions baked into it like one of the things that we never got around to talking about was well what would have happened you know this is a story about how a person is brought into a person's life and he is redeemed from his inhumanity by the presence of this person in their life. Um, but one one thing that you could do is ask the question, well, what would that guy's life have looked like 
if someone had not shown up and if he had continued to persist as a hermit, if you will. And could this be a conversation about, um, you know, this tradition of going out into the wilderness and uh, contemplating life for 20 years, right? Uh, That's so prominent in Christianity. Would there have been redemptive value for Bill in that context? Which, you know, again, uh, referring to it as a life as a hermit implies that there was a... um, a certain motivation to it, right? Which what I, the point I was trying to make is mm-hmm. that that wasn't necessarily there. Now, could it have become that? Well, of course, anything could have happened, right? But in terms of what, well, yeah. what needed and it is to a happen, hypothetical thing. but in the same way, like what would have been the one thing, you know, going back to Providence, like what was the one thing that Providence knew had to happen to break down that wall or open that up? And would it have just been you know, staying in seclusion. I mean, we get this indication that as the audience, that that would have just continued him on that myopic path, right? But there again, I mean, well, I will. I'll push back on this. Yeah, a little now bit we're gonna. More. Now we can actually start. A, yeah, now we can start disagreeing. Yeah. I guess right in the <laughs> tail end of the show. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, at the end. Now that we're at the end, I'm gonna start. Uh, you know, fighting back more. Um, you know. There is one of the things that we shouldn't do that maybe I do in other examples, right? Um, but that seems uh, obvious in this moment anyway, is read too far into some of these stories that um, we're using as, you know, opportunities to find, you know, Christian themes and things like that. You know, at the end of the day, this episode, for all the talk of redemption that we we've said and applied to it and things like that, does not in fact end <laughs> in a very in a very Christian it doesn't way, walk through the pearly right? gates at least from and, what and, we see. and yeah right like this is not the redemption that we're talking about um, it, it's only a loose analogy for the type of redemption that we're ultimately seeking as Christians really we're just saying that Bill found his humanity through the help of Frank showing up but it's it's a broken sinful humanity that he finds there's no sense of uh him finding jesus in this episode mm-hmm. right and uh you know kind of to my points you can imagine a story in which a person does spend their life isolated and alone and maybe in that moment when they have nothing but opportunity to reflect nothing but opportunity to you know be distanced from humanity then they can actually learn to love humanity again, right? There, so there it's presumably not, it's not would have been a library in that small town that had, you know, Plato's dialogues or something. So it's like... Right, yeah, something like that. So, I mean, like, obviously that's either... That's just us just making stuff up, right? I'm just saying that we're still assuming that it's an unfettered good to bring romance in as a means to tell a good story, Right? Um, or at least that's just a story they wanted to tell in this place. But you can do that story without promoting something that Christianity is going to find ultimately destructive for communities, right? Um, but they wanted to tell a story that was going to promote the kind of love is love mentality mm-hmm. that drives a lot of our pop culture today. Um, and... I guess if nothing else, you can uh, hear me engaging with that, wrestling with that, um, thinking out loud about it. You're the old man yelling um, at the and cloud. Finding that balance. 
old man yelling yeah, at the cloud. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's me. I I feel like that's what mm-hmm. I'm doing right now, but uh, you know, I want there to be a conversation about this, and not just like you said, Mike, falling into this idea that either you love this episode or you hate this episode because you're a bigot or something like that. You know, I think it's a more interesting episode. That's than just that. it. Is like it's. And and we've already gone through this, so we don't need to rehash this whole thing. But it's really from a Christian perspective, it's about honest. It's honest engagement, and honest engagement is not hiding away or building up the walls of the citadel. But it's also not um, compromising to it. It's not becoming one with it with whatever you know hot topic it happens to be. And so that's why I think like, um, yep. you know hopefully this provides some sort of like tools or principles and, and we want to um, not necessarily as a direct follow-up to this, cause this probably won't come until later, but where we do kind of put down, okay, we're not talking about one specific example, but in general using some other examples from our just experience in pop culture, how have we, what principles can we put down in terms of engaging with these problematic elements? And it doesn't have to be so hung up on, is it a, you know, is it this issue or that issue? But how can we see this more generally? You know what I mean? And that's kind of what, I mean, just going mm-hmm. forward, uh, whenever the next Last of Us episode three comes out, because it's going to happen again in a month or in six months or something like that, uh, what's going to be what's going to be the next reaction to it? Have we come away? Have we you know learned from it or grown from it or something like that? You know? Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, no, I, I mean, I always enjoy all of our conversations, um, especially when they can be, you know, friendly and, yep. and disagreeable and things like that. But thanks for, well, th- thanks for coming on. Well, this was a, you know, more of a serious episode, folks. Uh, one that was really <laughs> off the cuff. Hopefully uh, it was still enjoyable, you know, but uh, kind of different for us. Well, I'll yeah, admit that. Hope, yeah. I mean, just as thoughtful and, and provocative as the others, but uh maybe heavier i don't know but uh, anyway mm-hmm. yeah we thank thank you guys for for joining us for this whole thing too and um we just want to ask again uh like subscribe rate five stars leave a positive review for this pot this um the voyage podcast uh, because if you, you know we want to we want to grow this we want to expand this we want to have this reach as many people as possible so you know anything that we can do to uh yeah just keep this keep keep the conversations going keep the conversations about the the necessary uh presence of pop culture but then how does the how does the christian thoughtfully and powerfully engage well said mike well said wasn't it see just just like the script said jacob exactly (laughs) did it sound natural (laughs) yeah it sounded as natural as you can sound thanks for listening to voyage podcasts The Voyage Podcast is a production of Voyage Comics and Publishing, which seeks to create exceptional entertainment informed by Catholic values that inspire people to live a heroic life. Voyage Comics seeks to advance truth and beauty found in powerful stories. To learn more, visit voyagecomics.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram 